Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm one of the hosts, Vanessa, and today my co-host Ted and I are talking to Valentina, a member of the Putty Tribe who describes herself as a multi-passionate human being who helps other people live conscious lives. Our topic today is one of the Slow Down December workshops that she led on the Putty Tribe, and it was one all about evidence-based tips to overcome anxiety. It's relevant not just in December, but all the time, so listen on for some tips and tricks to manage anxiety. Enjoy. We have Valentina here, a member of our Putty Tribe community, and we're going to talk about a workshop that she recently led on the Putty Tribe. And um, Valentina, if you can remind me, you were the main organizer or were there other people as well? Uh, No, it was just me. Okay, cool. So this workshop was called Slow Down December, and I definitely want to hear from you how it went and what it was about. So before that, we also have Ted here. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So we're going to have a little conversation about this workshop and uh, hear a bit about how it went and uh, why it was important. And um, yeah, Valentina, if you want to just uh, tell us a small synopsis about it. Yes, of course. Um, so the workshop was about uh, the science behind overcoming anxiety. And uh, I did my best to uh, convey information in uh, uh, a non-conventional way because I believe that a lot of the information that you find out there are pretty much the same and they don't really help in overcoming anxiety. They just help in putting the focus more and more on anxiety rather than on the roots of anxiety, where it comes from. And uh, so I really tried to um, to convey uh, two main messages, uh, one being that uh, um, the true root of anxiety is a disconnection that happens between mind and heart, uh, mm. a disconnection that usually happens in childhood. And now I'm calling this heart, but uh, different people call it in different ways. It can be called higher self, essence, soul, it depends from the belief of the person how you actually call that. As I am a consciousness uh, a geek, I usually call it higher self or uh, true self. Um, so that's the, the one of the main causes uh, um, that then down the line uh, bring to the development of anxiety. And it, it's this uh, disconnection. And uh, the second one is another concept that is not very um, commonly uh, discussed. And that's the fact that uh, uh, each individual is made of different parts internally. And that's why when uh, you try to take a difficult decision or uh, you really want to start a new project, uh, sometimes you get uh, a crowd of voices talking over each other in your mind, some pushing you in that direction and others trying to uh, actually talk you out of it. And that's because internally we have different parts. Uh, Scientifically, it's called ego fragmentation, but uh, there is a really nice framework that talks about a family system inside of us. So we have our own messy family inside of our heads with different people, with different needs, different personalities and different voices. And uh, often enough, they actually don't agree on things. 
And the moment in which we start to understand that uh, we are kind of crowded in our heads, we can have a much more relaxed and productive conversation with ourselves, understand what we really want, and, uh, and, and find a way to actually get what we want. So these were the, the two main messages, plus, of course, uh, a framework to do that and uh, exercises in, in each of the cornerstones of the frameworks to overcome anxiety. Wow, there's a lot there. And as somebody who does have like diagnosed anxiety, um, there's some really interesting things that you've said. You were talking about how anxiety can actually a root can be from your childhood, which I actually kind of think, yeah, like that's something that I think a lot of people think is that with mental health things, um, yes, it can definitely be tied to your childhood. But it reminds me that I actually heard and read that there have been studies made that ha there's some evidence to say that if a mother, when she's pregnant, um, or a person who is pregnant, has a lot of stress in their lives while they're pregnant, they can sometimes sort of convey that anxiety to their child. And then that person, that child, as they grow up, can just sort of chemically have anxiety. And it's more common for them to then develop that anxiety. And I find that really interesting because <laughs> I know from my personal story that that was the case for my mom. So it's like, oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, just a, just a little tidbit that I have heard and is interesting. But I also wanted to ask what your background is in this. Yes, well, uh, I have different backgrounds because, of course, I'm a multipod. But uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> one, background, uh, <laughs> one background is that I, I had uh, generalized anxiety for a good two decades, uh, but I actually was not aware uh, of it. I, I just thought there was something wrong with me that uh, I couldn't mm. get passionate about pretty much anything. I couldn't start or finish anything. Mm. I had a borderline eating disorder. Um, and, uh, and, uh, I just, it, it never occurred to me that I had anxiety <laughs> ever. Like mm -hmm. the first time in which I, I, I started to, uh, realize that there was something going on that required, let's call it intervention or help. Uh, I, I was 34, <laughs> And that's because I had, you know, all these check boxes that family and society tell you that you should check before you actually feel happy. And uh, actually, unconsciously, I started to check them out one by one in my life, in my 20s and early 30s. So I had a truly amazing job that most of my friends envied me um, in a big corporation. I was traveling a lot. And uh, I moved to my dream country, uh, which uh, was a weird dream country, Switzerland, but that, that's what, what it was for me. My quality of life like quadrupled in, uh, in a month. And, uh, and then my, my last checkbox was finding my, my soulmate. I, I really thought that what I was missing was a person who truly loved me for the person that I was. It never occurred to me that I didn't love me for the person that I was, but that came a little later. And uh, so when I found that person, my eating disorder was out of control. It was at its worst. My negative thinking was at its worst. And I could not figure that out. I, I didn't understand why I felt the happiest in my life, but 
at the at the symptomatology level i was at my worst and that's when i decided to go to therapy so anyway that's that's the um let's call it empirical experiential uh, um background yeah and that's when it all started it's just uh, the therapy helped me with the eating disorder but somehow it, it just well also my my uh, my partner and now my husband was a brain scientist that kind of also took me in the right direction um interesting and and so i i just started to get insanely passionate and obsessed with what it means to be human not just anxiety not just mood disorders but what it means to be human what are the biases we are born with and we are not even aware of how our brain works why do we behave the way we behave and then i went down the rabbit hole and uh, <laughs> at the same time i i i took a master in organ- in organizational change because i was still pursuing a vertical ladder career in my organization and that just tipped me off because a lot of that was psychology the psychology of change at the individual level at the corporation level at the societal level and and then i uh, i realized that that the corporate environment was not my future mm-hmm. and then that's when actually um our my whole team got fired because Vitsalon oh was goodness. not the right place for it to be after 10 years and that just helped me to understand okay this is the time to pursue what my heart is telling me since 2 years i need to to be and do and that's to pursue psychology and becoming a coach and also just by pure luck or what I don't know how to define that but a small group of academics where my husband was working creating a non-profit to uh, research uh, um alternative uh, holistic uh, approaches to uh, mental health and to mood disorders with uh, burnout being the first one and anxiety and depression the second and uh, with a strong focus on plant medicine and psychedelics and there just my my mind uh, just got uh, uh, onto a much bigger consciousness mo- consciousness movement and and uh, information and uh, completely new uh, academic world and uh, and that's when i actually also had uh, twins which made my life uh, more full and more complicated. Oh my goodness. And that's kind <laughs> Ted's of Ted's nodding. Ted has two kids. He's <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> and that kind of completed the background picture in which uh, now I basically devore uh, um therapeutic models because I I I only do science. Uh I love science and uh, so I um have a pretty methodical approach in which uh, i just go into different uh, therapeutic med- methods on my own and together with this uh, non-profit group of people um and uh, and uh, i i right now what i developed is just an approach that works particularly well with anxiety and so that was what you were using in the workshop part yeah, exactly. yeah yes cool yes and i work in the non-profit and as a coach basically so that's that's what i do nowadays yeah cool i thought the idea for the workshop was really interesting and definitely necessary because uh especially december because we're all like caught up in this holiday 
hubbub and like uh, it's a perfect time to do something like this because in our society in Europe in North America and other places as well it's just like we have this like it's like this weird love-hate relationship with the holidays and the holidays are just like they are some of the stressful most stressful times of the year and I'm like why do we mentally let ourselves get so hung up on them and Anyway, it just, when I saw you were doing that workshop and it was for December and it was like, slow down December. I was like, yes, this is a really good idea. <sighs> yeah. So anyway. What kind of reaction did you have from the folks in the workshop? Did you get some good feedback about it, their experience? Well, I actually got amazing feedback and uh, uh, that really was, uh, uh, it was unexpected. Um, so I mean, I know that what I share is unconventional, but uh, it's, it doesn't happen all the time that uh, people realize intuitively that uh, that it's really good stuff, let's put it like that. So I was very happy, and uh, now we are discussing creating a huddle on overcoming anxiety. Oh, cool. And uh, so far, there are several people who are interested, so it looks like to me it's going to happen. So I'm really happy about that. That's awesome. I'm interested in your take on anxiety and whether anxiety is something that you can ever completely overcome, mm -hmm. you know, or is it something that you manage? Is it something that kind of stays part of your life or is it something that can be kind of figured out and put in the past? It can be absolutely put in the past. Hmm. At least that's what I did with myself. Of course, I cannot say I don't have any anxiety at all, but uh, I have an anxiety that I would define in the healthy spectrum because like everything, there is a range and a spectrum of it. So uh, there's a healthy level of anxiety, which is actually part uh, of uh, being human that cannot be eliminated, like the same way in which negative emotions cannot be eliminated. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... At the beginning of this journey in overcoming anxiety, uh, you, you learn tools that uh, teach you how to manage anxiety uh, so that it's not in the way of your life. And uh, uh, the longer you actually practice these tools and the te these techniques, then they become second nature. Mm -hmm. And then after, I don't know, for me, uh, honestly, I had generalized anxiety at 34. At 37, uh, I had uh, one of my biggest breakthroughs uh, through um, a therapeutical approach that, by the way, I just did on my own through a book, uh, which I shared in the, in the, um, in the workshop. And uh, so now I'm 41, and honestly... Um, I would say that in the past uh, two years, I don't consider myself as having generalized anxiety anymore. I consider myself as having a healthy level of anxiety. At the same time, I keep expanding uh, my understanding of the person that I am, of all the parts that make me, and the complexity of these parts and the way in which they interact with each other and the way in which almost at any given time, one of them is uh, in scarcity mode. 
So it's really then about finding balance between your parts. It's about finding balance in your life. It's about reminding yourself what truly matters to you, what type of person you want to be, what type of life you want to shape, and then consciously choosing over and over again what is right for you. And of course, sometimes you make mistakes. Of course, sometimes you take the wrong choice. And that's where you apply compassion to yourself <laughs> and uh, it just give you a big virtual hug and realizing, okay, I'm, I'm human, yeah. I'm human. Uh, I fell again in that pattern. Okay, that's a pattern of the past. I overcame it before. I can do that all over again and it's going to be so much easier. Uh, but yeah, anxiety can be absolutely overcome. The, the really um, most uh, corrosive components of anxiety, I believe, that can be overcome in about six months, depending on how big was the trauma that led to, to that anxiety. Okay, so it really depends. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We cannot expect that uh, uh, an, a person who went through uh, sexual abuse as a child uh, will take the same time of uh, an individual who uh, maybe had a hypercritical parent. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there also there, there is a range. And then it also depends on how the individual's brain is wired. Some people have a naturally more flexible mind. Other people have a more rigid and structured mind uh, that makes it just, uh, it, it just takes a little longer to rewire those patterns, uh, but it's absolutely doable. That's interesting and hopeful. <laughs> so that's great. I mean, I've always thought like, I'm going to have this forever and it's going to be part of my life forever. And it's hard to not let it become like almost part of your identity in a way for some weird reason. <laughs> um, but I also have thought more about recently, or I would say like in the last few years that there, maybe there is that like conscious element to it. And I don't have to let it become something that is all consuming for me and that is part of my identity. And I can consciously find tools or I should say I can find tools that I can consciously apply and then maybe there's actually a way out, so to speak. And so yes. um, I like hearing that affirmation. <laughs> um, I'm actually curious, speaking of tools, um, in the description for your uh, workshop, for the Slowdown December workshop, uh, one of the things that says in this workshop you'll learn and then one of the things it says is practical tips and hacks for the time-starved multipotentialite that you can apply to your life right now to see results. And I'm curious if you can share like one or two of those hacks or tricks yes. or tools. Yes. Well, I yeah, two come to my mind. One is the get unstuck question, mm. which is it works in a really interesting way. So the question when you that you can ask yourself when you feel stuck or you feel anxious is if this was easy and I could not possibly fail. How would it look like? And what would be the first step to get there? And it seems like a very normal question. In reality, when you ask your mind for a direct question like this one, your mind knows the answer. Your mind answers without the anxiety. So it shows you, ah, look, you can do it like this. And that's the next step. And it's that easy. <laughs> because somehow it's just answering at the cognitive level. 
It's not mm -hmm. answering with all the entanglement of emotion, uh, toxic thoughts, belief system, and all that crap that goes with it. Um, so when you are stuck and you ask this question to yourself um not all the time there are of course there are more complex tools that you can mm -hmm. apply but often enough it at least gives you an answer a reasonable answer and then of course finding the courage or the uh the drive or whatever right to act on that is another thing but you get the answer so it's a good thing to try do you suggest like writing it out or just using, do, exploring that in whatever way is most comfortable for you? Uh, in my opinion, the more you overthink it, the more you get stuck again. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> because then your, uh, your network, network of words and thoughts that validate your belief system come in and they took you out of it, right? Mm. So the, the best would be, okay, you get the answer. You see, okay, it's easy. Okay, okay. Okay, let me get, let me do something right now. Do the laundry, do the dishes, mm. do, water the plants, do something that brings you from, okay, this is easy. I, I know how to do that. I can do this. Now let me do something practical so that I stop overthinking it, so that I get out of my entanglement of emotions in my head and thoughts. And usually that, that these two things together are really helpful. I find that's, that's true. And sometimes I think, like you're just saying, you know, okay, I'm stuck and I'm overwhelmed. Okay, I'm going to do something that's completely unrelated, like do the laundry. And I found that that works really well for me too. Sometimes I'm like, am I just distracting myself from something that I really need to be paying attention to and thinking about? What do you think about that? Well, that's the second tool. Oh, great. <laughs> you asked for two. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and the second one is. It's actually part of a framework, so, but it's, it really boils down to uh, feeling your emotions because mm -hmm. uh, anxiety comes in when uh, your, your mind is telling you there's a danger. And often enough, uh, the danger is an overwhelming emotion. So unfortunately enough, uh, the only way is to let yourself feel that emotion. Mm -hmm. And if the emotion is too overwhelming, you can actually ask yourself really internally, this is too much. Can I just feel a little bit of it? And mm -hmm. uh, It doesn't always work because you need a few other tools, but really it's about feeling the emotion without judging it, without trying to fix it, without overthinking it, without uh, applying your thoughts to it. Just sit, like you would sit with a friend who is in distress, uh, just putting the hand on the shoulder and being there. That's what you should do with yourself when you are feeling an overwhelming emotion. You should just sit with the emotion, uh, just knowing that this emotion comes from a part of you, not the totality of you. Hmm. That's a really good point. It feels like the totality of you when you're in that moment, for sure. That's why it's an overwhelming emotion. It just yeah. takes over. Uh, but that, that's because it's a part uh, who is deeply wounded. And so, of course, it just takes over everything. But the moment that you reframe it in a part of me, feels sad or feels anxious mm -hmm. then uh, you create that mental space you need to sit with that part of you who feels like that and already by doing that uh, 
that uh, overwhelming emotion usually uh, redimensions itself in a way that you can actually do it. You can let mm. yourself do it. And I'm sure it's something that takes practice. <laughs> it does. It really does. Yes. Yeah. Like everything, I suppose. Yes, but it really, really works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other thing I often ask myself and in a very focused, genuine way is what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Me too. If I'm in a certain situation, right? And like, you know, especially if it's a big change right now, I'm trying to start a business and quit my job and all the rest. And uh, it's like, well, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Do I have enough money right now? I do. It could really get as bad that we might uh, not be able to afford our house or something. I doubt it. But you know what? If it came to that, I think we would deal with it. We'd just take it a step at a time. So, you know, it it, it brings some of that kind of logical, direct um, thinking into the problem. And you start to make more sense of, of whatever the problem is. Yes. Yeah, on that, uh, on that note, uh, it's very interesting because... Uh, when I started my business, I also asked myself that, that question. And uh, the answer that I got internally was that people would not like me, that people, that I, people would reject me, and that people would, uh, and I, of course, I would feel rejected and I would feel that uh, I'm not worthy and I'm not enough. And uh, hon- honestly, the best, uh, uh, the best. Uh, advice I got about that was from my husband, who is, uh, I mean, apart from being a brain scientist, is a really data analytics guy. And so he told me, you know, statistically, a part of the people will hate you, a part of the people will be indifferent to you, and a part of them will actually love you. So just Mm -hmm. focus on the people who are going to love you. (laughs) And the moment, the moment I realized, okay, some people are going to hate me. That's a given. I could live with that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually even practically. That's just finding your target market when you're starting a business, in a way. Yes, you know. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But unconsciously, I was trying to to be liked by everyone, which which is absolutely <laughs> impossible. And I hear the that. I really look at that's not possible. Then everything became just much easier. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Who wants to be liked by everyone? It, it would just feel fake. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why there was a huge dissonance, yeah. I wonder how celebrities feel sometimes because uh, they are liked by many, 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 many people. And of course, there's people who don't like them, but there are many, many, many people who do. So that's interesting. Oh my goodness. I'm just thinking like, I could not be a celebrity. (laughs) So you were talking, Valentina, about how there's going to be a huddle. Is that something that's going to be happening on a regular basis? Yes. And um, I was looking at the Putty Tribe uh, recently and noticed that Emily Wapnick, who started the Putty Tribe, uh, went into the forum and made a post called Slow Down December Continues. So I'm wondering kind of what your plans are for this to keep going in the Putty Tribe. Like, is there a group now? Are they just huddles? Is it just forum posts? Like, what's happening with all that? Uh, Well, the Slow Down December was uh, created by Emily. And I think that her vision for it was to uh, have something special for the month of December. And so there were three workshops. There was mine, uh, a beautiful one on uh, creativity and another one on mindfulness. So I think that the slow down December is uh, it, it started and it's going to end by itself. 
And then I think that just out of it, uh, there will be this uh, this overcoming anxiety huddle that will be on a regular basis. Okay. And uh, uh, Rita uh, volunteered to uh, host it. Uh, not exactly with me. We're going to uh, split so that uh, we, we will alternate so that the huddle could happen every week at different uh, times so that uh, more people can actually join so that the topics will uh, keep going uh, and anyone who actually wants to, to really to get practical to try the exercises and to dig deeper into their subconscious and uh, what are the roots of their anxiety or their procrastination, rumination, negative self-talk, and you know, right. their old best friends, uh, then they are very welcome in the huddle. And I believe that it's going to be very valuable to them. Cool. I know that we, not all of our listeners are part of the Putty Tribe, but maybe this will get them interested. (laughs) (laughs) So if you decide to join, you can uh, join these huddles. And if you're already in the forum, definitely think about (laughs) joining as well. Valentina, I was wondering, did you always identify as a multi-potentialite? Probably not knowing that term, of course, but is do you do you think you kind of grew up that way? Or is it something in your your journey of overcoming anxiety that you really discovered about yourself? Yeah, that's a, it's a very interesting question. Uh, no, actually, for uh, 34 years of my life, I thought that I was I couldn't feel passionate about uh, anything enough to actually pursue it. So yeah, of course, I, I already had the you know the syndrome of the shiny object or the shiny experience, however you want to call that. But uh, I felt that there was something wrong with me that I could never pursue these uh, things. I could never start a project. I could never pursue a passion. And uh, and then when I started to to actually deal with what I realized to be anxiety. I had a pretty uh, devastating realization around 36 in which uh, I thought, you know, you can also see everywhere in the internet this obsession to find your passion. I Mm. went through exactly that. I was... uh, spasmodically looking inside of me for my passion. I was looking in my childhood. What did I like to do? And then I had a, a, a very uh, deep revelation in, uh, in what I called uh, uh, inner explorations or visualizations that, uh, that, that I do. And uh, uh, I was shown uh, emptiness. <laughs> I realized that I didn't have any hidden passion that I had to discover. There was absolutely nothing which made sense because I spent my whole life to that to that moment not pursuing anything and being stuck. And uh, after a couple of weeks of real desperation, uh, then I realized that that meant that I could fill up that emptiness with anything I wanted. And that's when my mind just exploded. <laughs> it just uh, it, it started to fill up with so many things that I, I, I couldn't keep up. I still cannot keep up. And uh, then it's just a year ago that uh, I came uh, across the concept of multipod. And I've read Emily's book and I've read another book. And uh, I realized, okay, that's, that's me. That's that's so lovely that there's a whole group of people <laughs> who are <laughs> as freakish as I am. And uh, so I, I, I decided that I needed to join that group of people. So here I am. 
Awesome. I think that story, um, a lot of the stories we hear on this podcast will be asked, how did you realize you're a multi-potential? They're all similar, but they're all unique as well. But um, I think that most people who are multi-potentialites or who are discovering that part of, not part of themselves, that they are that, I should say, um, really can relate to that kind of a story. It's like, it's kind of universal to us that we sort of realize something about us isn't fitting into this mold that we're supposed to fit into. And then we all have our own journeys and realizing we get to this point, hopefully, that that's okay, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, actually, I went a little deeper into the research about this because uh, I, I already knew quite extensive research that uh, looked into the different ways in which uh, people uh, orient themselves. So there are people who are more open-minded and they have a more exploratory attitude towards life and they try new things and people who are more conservative and uh, they actually just uh, like one or two things. Uh, they are very close-minded. I just uh, so uh, uh, fitting, you know, of being of being multi-passionate with this type of person that, you know, in the very ancient times in which we were living in little tribes, these mm -hmm. were the innovators, the people who were trying things out. They were actually dying pretty young, but <laughs> that's not the point because they were trying new things. They were trying to, you know... <laughs> push the civilization forward and discoveries and exploration and so on. And then there were the other people who were actually ensuring the survival of the species, because if everyone is innovative and tries things out, then you die off pretty soon uh, as a species. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I went down the rabbit hole of uh, where, where that comes from. And uh, I love that. That's something that I would totally go down a rabbit hole about. <laughs> I love to think about how we became the way we are. And I'm no expert and I'm no scientist, but I love to think about that, those tribes and how like, okay, there were at least a few people who were innovative and trying different things. And then they somehow uh, survived. And so now that's why we have still people who are innovative and trying new things. Thank goodness that happened. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing I think about too. So that's really fascinating. Awesome. Well... Uh, I'm really glad that you did the workshop that we've been talking about. I think that it's very necessary and I'm looking forward to watching the replay. And um, I hope that this is a topic that keeps being explored in our forum. And I think it will because it's something that we talk about a lot. We even have a mental health group on the forum. So it's definitely something that is on people's radars. Um, but yeah, thank you for doing the workshop and um, for being this person that uh, is a safe space for people to explore this with. I think that's that's really great. Yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us, Valentina. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's been great getting to know you. Do you have a place where people can find you, like if they're not on the Putty Tribe or if they are, if you want to share? Uh, yes, absolutely. Well, on the Putty Tribe is uh, easy. Outside of the Putty Tribe, uh, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook group for... Uh, um, shaping a conscious life, which is called the Awareness Uprising. And uh, I have a website, which is uh, rewire-yourlife.com. Thanks. Awesome. And we'll include links to those in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thanks again. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again to Vanessa and Valentina for a great conversation. It's uh, really proved to be a popular and important topic, I think, for all of us here 
in the Putty Tribe this month talking about slowing things down and putting things in perspective and just trying not to absorb all of that anxiety. So I'm really glad we had the chance to chat about that today. And, of course, said this is going to be an ongoing topic here in the Putty Tribe. There's a lot of great interest to keep this conversation going, perhaps on the podcast as well, and certainly in the forum and in the huddles and the various threads that evolve over, uh, over time. So great to see that happening. And on the same theme, our Putty Peep of the Week this week is Ray B. Gergen. I hope I'm saying that right, G-E-R-G-E-N, who is currently into everything multipod friendly and our Slow Down December. So Ray has a classic multipotentialite profile. They spent the last five years trying to convince themselves they were as a specialist and then went back to night school, became a pre-med student, and then they went on to graduate from a doctor of physical therapy program. And uh, Ray says, well, everyone around was so happy for them, thought uh, they'd made it, but Ray was miserable and couldn't understand why. And it turns out that Ray is a multipod and pretending to be a specialist really feels bad. Again, how many of us can relate to that? It, a lot of it comes back to this conversation we've just had here today. So Ray's now graduated from school and uh, has more free time and dedicating themselves to creating and living the best multipod life. This part of which is interesting, Ray says, moving to a multipod-friendly city. Ray has previously lived in Oberlin, Ohio, London, UK, and rural northern central China, Tegu in Shaanxi province, where I assume probably teaching English there, but Ray's currently in Washington, D.C., so I'm assuming that's uh, what they're talking about in terms of a multipod-friendly city. It'd be interesting to know a bit more about uh, that experience of uh, living in Washington. So Ray has lots of interests, passions, and skills, and you can certainly reach out to them if any of these resonate with you, which include reading and listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, I hope they're listening to this one, uh, knitting and crochet, international politics, playing the ukulele, baking bread, yoga and meditation, studying and participating in liberal, radical, social, justice-oriented Judaism, queer, trans, and NB activism, blues dancing, traveling around the world, and speaking multiple languages. Ray speaks Chinese, Spanish, French, and uh, American Sign Language. And you can find Ray on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash ray722, or on Instagram, their profile is sunshine of Ray, all one word, sunshine of Ray. And that's Ray B. Gergen, joined the Putty Tribe at the beginning of August this year, 2019, and has been very active uh, ever since. So this is our last episode of the calendar year 2019, and we are building up to both episode number 50 and the second anniversary of this show. So lots of uh, ideas were put in together to celebrate that and uh, really mark that milestone. It's exciting. Stay tuned. Uh, probably that's just it. It'll be episode 50. We'll still have another episode in between number 49. So we're also putting that together as well, and we'll try to get that out to you here over the holidays before everyone uh, goes back to... So-called reality, I guess, in the new year, but I hope you're all looking forward to that and uh, enjoying your holidays here as well. So thanks again, as always, for listening. Feel free to reach out to any one of us on the forum and send us your ideas, your suggestions, and any kind of feedback. Of course, we always appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>